don't celebrate that. Yeah, we do all the time. It was when Holy Spirit was poured out. We don't celebrate that. Yeah, we do all the time. It was when Holy Spirit was poured out. 50 days. Celebrate that. Yeah, we do all the time. It was when Holy Spirit was poured out. 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus, the promise that he made that he would send another comforter, one just like him, different in number but same in kind. And, and what did we learn already today about Holy Spirit? What will he do for us? He'll give us the words we need. Well, that may not mean much to you. It means everything to me. Because as a person who stuttered, who couldn't speak to two people because I was so afraid, I depend on Holy Spirit. And like Jeremy said, there are opportunities everywhere. Everywhere we go. We were dropping stuff off yesterday at the Salvation Army. Opportunities. To minister to a young man who's a father who's struggling and, and, and uh, needed some help and some encouragement. And Debbie and I were able to just talk to him, told him we'd be praying for him. He was great with that. And then he started to explain some things. And, and we got some information from him to stay connected. Do you realize that all the people that we come across their path, whether they're Christian or non-Christian, they're struggling. There are battles in their lives. And, and we can be the very vessel that God has ordained to come across their path at that moment to impart his love, his truth, his hope, so that their lives can be impacted. That's all it is. God wants us to impact lives. Just like the scripture says, one sows, another waters, but only God gives the increase. God gives the increase. We don't have to worry about the increase. God will take care of that. But we need to use what we have so that God can do what he's planned to do. Amen? Well, I'm glad you're here today. Thank you so much for being here. Isn't it great to see the sunshine, see things growing? And we've been talking about growing. We've been talking about how, how God has for us to grow. We're supposed to grow in his grace and in his knowledge. We're supposed to go from glory to glory. That's going to require change, which is another word for growth. And God has for us to grow because he wants us to Continue to experience that abundant life. How many of you have so much life you don't need any more? I know, obvious questions. I ask obvious questions because I want you to think. None of us, none of us. So there's always room for God to be able to take us to another level. And when we're taken to another level, we can help other people get to another level. Because none of us do it on our own. We should, in our life, have our arms outstretched, first of all, to God. And some of us were, were just so concerned about lifting our hands to God, even in this place, because we're afraid of what people will think. Why not be more concerned with what God thinks? But we ought to be lifting our hands to God. But we also ought to be reaching out for those that are ahead of us on the path that God has to gain 
from them. Be humble enough to realize there are people out there that we need help from. But also reaching back to those that are behind us on the path that need help from us. And that way it always stays fresh. We're receiving from God through those people that are ahead of us and know more than us and have experienced more than us. And we're receiving that, but we're also giving it out. So it stays fresh in our lives. See, a lot of Christians, their life is really stagnant. It's dry, it's dusty, it's dead religion. And this is supposed to be a flowing life with God. Just absolutely amazing. And if that's what we have, it's that, if that's what we're experiencing, how many of you know when you run into people and they are just full of life? They're full of peace. They're full of, of joy. They're full of hope. They're full of excitement. You just don't want to leave. You just want to hang with them. Can I just hang with you today? And, and that's what God wants us to be like. We're supposed to be anomalies in the world that is hopeless, that is jaded, that is angry, that is full of all sorts of things that destroy, but we're supposed to be full of all sorts of things that bring life. And that's why we need to grow. And we've been learning about this and learning about how we're supposed to grow and what's important to God. And if something is important to God, shouldn't it be important to us? In, in, in uh, John chapter 15, verse 8 and verse 16, uh, these two scriptures we've looked at, these are kind of the foundation, and these are the words of Jesus, and the words of Jesus should be very important to followers of Jesus, which are all of us, I believe. And Jesus said this, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples, and this brings great glory to my Father. There are two things that, that we see fruit does, producing fruit, growing and producing fruit. It proves we're true disciples, not just wannabes, not just posers, not just people that have to tell somebody, you know, I'm a Christian. If you and I are a Christian, they ought to know before we ever open our mouth by the way we live. And so we prove we're true disciples of Christ, and we bring great glory to the Father. How many of you want to please and glorify the Father? I'm telling you, if you don't raise your hand, you're probably not saved, or you're afraid to raise your hand. Again, we go back to that. But, you know, so many times I, I hear people say, I just, I just want my mom, I just want my dad to be proud of me. I, 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 I want to honor them. I, I want to do what's pleasing to them. You know, we were created for God's pleasure. And yet, oftentimes, we spend a lot of our efforts, our focus, our resources I'm not pleasing God, but pleasing ourselves or pleasing other people whose opinions of us will change, whose perspective of us will change. Do you know that God never changes? He loves you. He'll always love you no matter what we do or what we don't do. And I'm telling you, when you've got somebody in your life like that, you just want to bless them. And we should, we should, but that's what fruit does. It blesses the Father, it blesses the Son. It affirms, we know the Bible says you'll know them by their fruits. So we'll be known by our fruits, other people will be known by their fruit. And so that's where we need to keep growing so fruit is produced in our life. Not just, 
you know, back when I was 25 years old, I did this. I worked at a VBS and, and I produced fruit. Well, what have you done in the recent years? What have you done last year? What have you done last month? What have you done last week? What did you do yesterday? Because we should always be about our Father's business. We're living for an audience of one. We're not living for everybody else's popular opinion, contrary to popular opinion. So many people are so caught up with their posts and, and the platforms that they're revealing their lives and, and things like that and wanting everybody to like them. Listen, do you know that the people that liked Jesus on Palm Sunday were the ones that yelled crucify him? People are fickle. God is not. God is faithful. And so we're to produce fruit. And then in verse 16, Jesus says this, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And I appointed or ordained you. I ordained you. Every one of you are ordained by God. Set apart for a special purpose God has uniquely and wonderfully for you. I've ordained you to go and produce lasting fruit. Now, if Jesus says these things, and they're important to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they ought to be ranking way up there with us. But in the, the, in the list of importance, I can tell you that it has not always been real high on my list fruit-bearing. And I've had to make some serious adjustments because I want to know whether I'm bearing fruit or not. I want to know if what I'm doing is God's priority. And if it is, then I'm going to keep on that because there are a whole lot of people that have a whole lot of other priorities for me. How many of you know you run into people and they've got your life planned? Or at least a portion of your day. And, and they want you to drop everything else. Folks, I will tell you that you only have so many, so many hours, so many weeks, so many months, so many years, and I don't know the number, but God does, and he's appointed that. And we can shorten it, but we can't lengthen it. And we can waste it, but we need to use it because it's a gift given to us by God. And when we use it, it should be something that reflects God all the time. And there's only one person that did that all the time, and that was Jesus. But we should be gaining. Gaining and growing. Amen? And so, last week we, we looked at where Jesus told a parable about a fig tree that was planted that wasn't bearing fruit. And they, they determined that the vine dresser, the one taking care of the vineyard that the tree was planted in, said to the owner who was upset because he wasn't getting any fruit for three years from this tree, he said, cut it down. And, and the one taking care of the tree and the vineyard said, hold it, wait. Let me just have one more year. And he said he was going to do two things. And both of them dealt with the soil. 
He said, I'm going to dig around the tree. I'm going to loosen up the soil to give it a better chance of being able to have its roots go deep and get the nutrients it needs. And then I'm going to dug it. So he, he dung it. He dug it and he dunged it. Okay? And, and so that he just put manure on it, which was to enrich it to give it the nutrients it needed to bear fruit. Sometimes we've got stuff coming into our lives and it looks like dung, but it's, it's a means by which God can use to enrich our lives. Because we looked at Psalm 4, verse 1, where David, David was saying, God, you enlarged me in my time of distress. You grew me, you developed me, you matured me in my difficulties, in my troubles, in my trials, in my tribulations. And so we can grow, we can develop fruit in the midst of all of it, in the sunshine and in the storms. But there are things that need to happen in our lives. And there are also things that not only have to happen to help us produce fruit, but we've got to be guarded. We've got to know that there are things that want to rob fruit want to stop the fruit production in our lives, and they're all around. And you and I are exposed to it every day. And that's why we have to fight. Let me ask you a question. What's easier to grow, weeds or grass? I'm telling you, I have a bumper crop of weeds in my yard. And I've had a challenge growing grass, but I'm just going to keep growing the weeds until I can get some grass growing. But weeds do. And it goes back to the garden. It goes back to the garden. Because of sin, God said to Adam, by the sweat of your brow, you're going to till the land. You're going to have to put forth effort. Never had to do it before. You're going to have to put forth effort. And if you don't put forth the effort to grow the right things, the weeds are going to take over. And it's still working in the world we live in. And today we're going to look. We're going to look at what are the things that rob fruit? What are the things that hinder us from developing the way God has for us to develop, to have a fruitful life? That people see Jesus in us. And that's really what God wants. The Bible says Christ in us is the hope of glory. We want people to see the glory of God, but we don't realize it's going to be seen in us. In our lives, the transformation that goes on in us. And today, we, we've got to recognize there are things that are trying to stop that fruit from producing. But before we go any farther, I just want to pray. So if you bow your heads, Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence. Lord, you're always with us. But today, we, and every day we should, invite you to guide us, to govern us, to guard us, to teach us, to direct us and correct us. Because, Father, we do need that. We need your direction. We need your guidance. We need you to govern us. But we also need your correction, the loving adjustment of a loving Father. And so, Father, today we thank you for your word as it goes forth, that it'll find good ground in the hearts of your people. And it'll produce fruit for your glory, Heavenly Father, your glory, Lord, your glory, Holy Spirit, and to show we are true disciples of yours, Lord. And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, 
So in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11, in the voice translation, uh, this was in the announcements that were sent out, and I, I think it may be, I don't know if it's in the bulletin or not. Uh, the Bible says, don't get involved in the fruitless works of darkness. Now, what do the works of darkness do? What does it say? It causes fruitlessness. There's not good fruit when there's darkness working. Now, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to know that. But it's important that we're reminded of this because there are so many things working in the world, working, coming at our lives at incredible speed and in in amazing amounts. We have more information than is surging to us in a given day than people 100 years ago had in a year. No wonder we're getting overwhelmed. We're hearing about things that are happening halfway across the world. And honestly, we as human beings... We just can't handle it. What ends up happening, when you start to get information overload, what do you do? Yeah, you shut down, but before you shut down, you freak out. We start to wonder, how is this ever going to work out? Who's going to save this? Who's going to do this? Oh, my gosh. We just shut down. And you know who's behind that? The enemy. Because you are a part of an unstoppable army unless you quit. <laughs> you are part of the solution. You are the victory that God has to show in the world that is losing every day. But if we're shut down, want to come to my church? Do you want Jesus to be your Lord too? <laughs> no, I got enough of my stuff. I don't need your stuff. But if you're walking in peace, you're walking in joy. No, I'm not saying you're walking without problems. You got problems just like they do. But you got peace and you got joy and you got hope and you've got life. You've got security. You've got stability. And all of a sudden they see, oh my gosh, what are you on? Jesus. I'm on Jesus' side. He's on my side. They'll take notice, and they may even ask, but what, what is it? What is it that we have to guard against? What is it that we have to be aware of? Because we do have a real enemy. He goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And when you dissect that information, he's going around impersonating. He's deceptively trying to make you think he's this just ferocious lion. But do you know what, what God did to him? He, he broke his teeth out. So he actually roars with a lisp. What'd you just do? What'd you just, you laughed. That's what we're supposed to do at the enemy. We're supposed to laugh. He's defeated. <laughs> the next time something shows up in your life that, that isn't of God, you ought to just laugh. I, I, I don't accept that. 
I don't receive that. I receive what God has for me. I don't have to receive everything that comes to my doorway. So in Mark chapter 4, we're going to go there. I'm going to quickly read verse 1 through 8. This is Jesus' teaching, the parable. He was teaching a group of people. He was sitting by the sea, and, and all of a sudden the crowd started to grow so large that he had to get in a boat, and he began to teach. It says, once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. Uh, a very large crowd soon gathered around him, and he got into a boat. He sat in the boat, and while all the people remained on the shore, he taught them by telling them many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across the field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon withered under the hot sun, and since it didn't have a deep root, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew up, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. All right, so you've probably heard this parable, but I, I want today, we're going to go down because what Jesus did, his disciples are like, yeah, 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 that's great. What's it mean? You know, it, it, don't, don't get excited in here to just get excited and walk out the door and be defeated again. If you get it in here, keep it out there. Because I want you to know the enemy is wise. He's been at this stuff for a long time. And he will try and deceive you just like that roaring lion into giving up. Giving over the promises, the provisions, the plan that God has for you. Do any of those change the promises of God? No, they're all yes and so be it. The provisions of God, do they ever change? No. The plan of God, does it ever change? No. We just have to keep walking with God. We have to keep trusting the plan and the provision and the promises and know that there's a roaring lion there, but he's, gone, he's been defeated and he's going to be shown to be defeated again because you're walking with God. Is it going to be tomorrow? I don't know. But if you have to wait a week, is it worth it? Do you have to, if you have to wait a month, you know what? Even if you have to wait a lifetime and you don't see what you're believing God for that he promised, it's still worth it. Well, how can it be worth it because I don't see it? Because something greater is happening. The Bible says when we walk in faith, we're pleasing to our Heavenly Father. There's nothing greater us getting what we're believing for is not as great as pleasing God. Because who's more important, us or God? So down, down a few verses, in verse 13, he starts to explain what this is all about. And he says to them, do you not discern and understand this parable? How then is it possible for you to discern and understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. So it's talking about a sower going out and sowing the word. Like it's happening here today. Like happened when Jeremy 
was, was praying with the young lady and interacting with the waitress that was waiting on him, and yet he was sent by God. He and his son were sent by God to impact this woman. Not unlike Jesus impacting woman at the well. Or other divine appointments. God incidences. Not coincidences. God incidences. There are a whole lot of them going on, but we've got to make sure we don't miss them. The sower sows the word, and the ones along the path are the ones who have the word sown in their hearts. Now, I want you to understand and look at this as we go through it all. All of them received the word. The word was directed to them, just like all the different soils received seed. But how they handled it, what was going on in their lives, determined what would happen. And so it says, heard the word, but when they heard... When they hear, Satan comes at once and by force takes away the message which was sown in them. So the first, first ground is, is a pathway. It's really considered a very high traffic, high volume road. And it had been packed down. It was very hard. It was a lot like the ground around the, the uh, fig tree. that had to be loosened up, but it didn't. And so when the seed got on it, it just sat on the surface. And it says Satan came uh, at once or immediately and by force takes it. But, but when you see that, it means that it was plucked up or snatched, quickly snatched, because it was just sitting on the surface. Now, these types of soils are types of Christians or types of areas of our heart. We all can be this. Even if we're not now, we can get this way. You know, we become hard-hearted when people do hurtful things to us. When people hurt us, what's our natural response? Well, we get mad, right? We want to get even. And when we can't, we want to protect ourselves. So we close the doors of our life. And we become harder and harder and more isolated than ever before. And all of a sudden, we're sitting and we're hearing God's word and it's not getting in. There was a time in Debbie's in my life where we were getting hurt so often, so deeply, that we said to each other, we'll do what God has for us to do, but we're not opening up our lives or our hearts to anybody anymore. We'll do the duty, but we're not going to do the relationship. And maybe you don't understand that, but I'm telling you, it, it, it gets, gets intense. And as we, we both had, Debbie not so much, but me, yeah, pretty much. I'm, 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 I'm here, but I'm not here. And, and I became very hard. And the Lord said to me, he didn't speak to me, but let me know that you can't minister to anybody. If the doors are closed, the doors are closed for what goes out or what comes in. And if you want me to minister to people, if you want to help people, then you have to open up. And I said, but God, that's not fair. I don't want to get hurt anymore. And he said, I have a promise for that. I don't want a promise. I want protection. You can't be protected and be available to people. You have to be wise. And he said, 
I'm the healer of the brokenhearted. Every time your heart gets broke, come back to me. Don't look at them. Don't look at anybody else. Don't surge around. Come to me, and I'll heal your heart. I'll make you whole. I'll restore your soul. But you've got to take time with me to be able to let all the venom, all the poison, all the stuff that's come to you and is now trying to rise up in you, you've got to get it out and get it to me. So this first pathway, these, <laughs> these are Christians that are casual Christians, superficial. The word just sits on the top. They're casual about their Christianity or an area of their Christianity. Whatever comes, comes. I'll take it or leave it. I did a series, one of the, one of the areas that, that I spoke about in this series, it was called cultural Christianity. It's what fits our culture. Christianity doesn't fit the culture. Christianity isn't even a subculture. Christianity is a counterculture. It doesn't go the way the world says to go. It can't because the world is broken. In verse 16 to 17, we see the next one. And it says, And in the same way, the ones sown upon the stony ground are those who, when they hear the word, again, they hear the word. See, it's no guarantee buying books, watching DVDs, going to conferences, sitting in church that you're going to bear fruit because there's a battle on for it. We've got to determine to have good ground as our hearts, our lives. When they heard the word, at once received and accepted and welcomed it with joy. So here's, here's this person or this area of our, our Christianity, our, of our faith. They hear the word, they receive it and accept it with joy. They're like, yes! Have you ever been that way? I hope you have. I hope you get excited about the word of God. We should. But how many of you know the enemy is not going to take your growth lying down? He's not going to just say, oh, go ahead and grow. Oh, go ahead and get stronger. Go ahead and get more confident in God. Go ahead and get more, more secure in God. He's not going to just say that. He's going to try and get at you as quickly as he could. And it, with the ones on the, the pathway, it was just sitting on the surface. He just plucked it off. He snatched it away. This stuff... In this situation, man, the word's getting in. Stuff's starting to happen. Life is being changed by the word. And so they welcomed it with joy. And they had no real root or depth in themselves. And so they endured for a little while. Then when trouble or persecution arises, what does it say? On account of what? The word. You better know every time you get a dose of the word... You are in for a fight. When I heard that, I did a stupid thing. I said, I'm not learning any more word. I don't need any more fights. But like the bully he is, the enemy wouldn't let me be, even though I wasn't reading my Bible. He would still attack. 
And so I thought, well, I ought to be fortified instead of just weak and ignorant and know what the Word of God says. And so the, it, it, the attack came from the enemy immediately for the Word's sake. And immediately they were offended and they became displeased, indignant, resentful, and they stumbled and fell away. So the Word came in. These, these, these people are this area a Christian like this, which I, I will tell you right now, I will confess to you, I have been a pathway Christian. I have been a stony ground Christian. I have been a thorny Christian. And I want to be a good ground Christian. But it takes work. This, this area, which is stony ground, this is a Christian that is really, their Christianity, their faith is based on convenience. What, what is comfortable? Because did you notice that they accepted it, they received it, and they welcomed it with joy? It was great until, until stuff started to happen. And there was an attack. Folks, you live in a fallen world, there's always going to be an attack. The pastor, I wanted to hear the good news today. That's good news. You're being informed so you don't get surprised. God tells us what's going on. You live in a fallen world. You're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Why did he say that? To scare us? No, to prepare us. God's always looking to prepare us. But we need to be aware and willing to receive what God's saying that may not be what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. There was no real root in them. They had a surface layer. This area... The first ground was so hard. The second area, there had been ground that had been broken up. The stone had been broken up. Do you know good ground is just broken up stone? Yeah. It's got all the minerals and everything else in it, but it's now been broken down. And so this little layer, the seed falls into and starts to grow, but there's stone underneath that it can't get through. And because of the environment, the hot sun, all of a sudden it can't get deep enough to be able to grow and bear fruit. And because of the environment around it, it's allowing it to affect it. Folks, don't let your environment affect you. You live, we live in a toxic world. It is not good for life. That's why when this is all over, God's going to make a new earth. Read your Bible. Convenient Christians, when it's comfortable, when it's joyful, when it's beneficial, when it's easy, okay, woohoo! Get excited. But when the fight's on, oh man, they get, they get indignant, they get displeased, and they get resentful. Why? Because it didn't happen the way I want. It didn't happen when I wanted it. I better get back to the notes because now I'm stepping on toes. Going on to the the third, the third soil, and it says, and the ones sown among the thorns are the ones who hear the word. Again, they hear the word. Then the cares and anxieties of the world, the distractions of the age, the pleasure and delight and false glamour and deceitfulness of riches, and the craving and passionate desire for other things creep in and choke and suffocate the word, 
and it becomes fruitless. This third one, the ground is good. There's no hard top. There's no stone below. It's good ground. It's been prepared. It's been developed. But this kind of life, this area of our life, or, or how we're living our life, this is about being overcrowded. This is a crowded Christian. They got everything going on. And, and what seems to be our perspective on if something doesn't work, do we ch- determine to change or do we try and do more? You know, many times we have this perspective, I'm just going to do more. I'm going to do it harder. I'm going to do it faster. It didn't work the first time. We need to adjust. We need to make a change. We need to evaluate. Let go of the things that aren't working. Align ourselves with God. Stay, stay steadfast on the things of God. But right here, these, these thorns, it says they're there and the seed's sown and the seed grows up among the thorns. What is that? What, what? The thorns are already there. They've been allowed to go into the good soil and begin to take up the nutrients, begin to grow, begin to develop. And we know those things grow much quicker than the things we're trying to grow. And, and what are the thorns? What are the thorns made up of? This tells us. This gives us an insight. It gives us an opportunity to be able to be wise in what we allow to grow in our lives. And what's it say? The cares and anxieties of what? I need your help this morning. The world, the cares and anxieties of the world. Are, are there? Are, does our world have cares and anxieties? Man, there's not a way you can turn. Most of the news is about cares and anxieties. Most of the stuff people talk about, cares and anxieties. Just off the charts. And that gets in us. I'm going to tell you something that I would encourage you to do. If you, can, if you still watch the news, for every minute you watch the news, read your Bible and pray. And I would say you ought to do three times as much reading of your Bible and praying to counteract the thorns that are coming through the news. Then it's got the distractions of what? The age. The age we live in. Is is the age we live in distracted? I know another obvious question. Yeah, man, they're distracted with all sorts of stuff. Is all of it important? You would think. But how many of you know there's only one number one? (laughs) That was worth coming for, just that today. There's only one number one. What is it in your life? And I will tell you there's all sorts of wrong answers, but only one right answer. If you claim to be a Christian, there is only one right answer for number one. What's the answer? That's right, Jesus. God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, the only number one in our life. That's why the Bible says that he should have the preeminence in everything, that we should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto us. We don't have to be worried about all the stuff that everybody out there that doesn't know God is worried about. If we'll just focus on God, God will take care of the rest. 
but it requires change. Then it says, the pleasure and delight and glamour, false glamour and deceitfulness of what? Riches. Man, everybody wants to be rich. Everybody wants to be powerful. Everybody wants to be known. Not everybody will be. Jesus went around saying, shh, don't tell anybody. We go around saying, like me, watch me, follow me. But all these things, they rob fruit. This is about how money, riches, do they give pleasure? For a season. Look at a lot of the rich people. Are they really happy? There's false glamour. And there's deceit. It promises everything and delivers very little of what it promises. And then it goes on to say, and the craving and passionate desire for other things. So we have the world, we have the age, we have riches, and we have other things. Those are all the sources of what is going to grow up in us. They're trying to pollute our lives into believing the lie that they have lived and that they portray. And what it does is it causes things to begin to grow in us. There's a, a dissatisfaction with what we have. And Paul said, I've learned to be content. The only discontent we should have is a divine discontent to continue to grow and know God. But there is a discontent in our world that oh, I, I need more. Do you know, in our country, we have more than most of the world has. And, and if you've never traveled out of this country, you don't know that, and I don't fault you for that, but there is a rude awakening. But there's still a responsibility to whom much is given, much is required. And we need to be people that are very aware that we have been so blessed by God, and so we're so responsible to use what we've been blessed with for God. It says that these things creep in and choke and suffocate the world. The word, creep in. When something creeps in, how does it do it? Do you notice it? No, it's usually slow. It's very subtle. It's not like, hey, I'm coming. Just incrementally, we don't even notice it. That's how these things happen. They're sown into the good ground of our lives, and yet it's growing up quicker than the word that we're trying to put in, and it's choking this stuff. And when something is choking, is it dead yet? No. No, it's distressed, but it's not dead. And then it says suffocate. When you suffocate, you're dead. It's a process going towards what the enemy does. In John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. All these things are being used by the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he steals from you, kills it in your life, destroys it, then your witness is not going to have the impact that it's supposed to have on your family, 
Well, they're already saved. You still impact your family by your witness. Your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, people you come in contact with, just like Jeremy was saying this morning. There are people all over that need you. Sent from God, not with choked out word, but fruitful. Absolutely fruitful that when you... You are expressing and and bearing the fruit of love. You're concerned about them more than you're concerned about yourself. Peace and joy. And and you you have patience and kindness. All of these things. All of a sudden they've run into God and they don't even realize it. Because he's living big in you and me. But these things that we just talked about. They choke and suffocate the word and it becomes fruitless. It had fruit. Fruit was coming. You could see it. It just wasn't ripe yet. And before it could be fully produced, it was gone. But thank God he didn't end there. In verse 20. In verse 20 it says, And the others are like seed that planted on good ground. They hear the teaching and accept it. They grow and produce a good crop, sometimes 30 times more, sometimes 60 times more, sometimes 100 times more. 30, 60, and 100 times what went into the ground? That's monumental. That's huge. If for every dollar you put into your savings account, you got $30, I think that's pretty good. What if you got $60? What if you got $100? Man, we'd be putting all our money in the savings account. Put it into God. Let God put it into you. Make sure that your your life isn't full of all the thorns, isn't still hard with a little veneer of good ground. You know, just enough that people think we're Christians. Think we're, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. We need to be deep Christians. Developed Christians. Guarded Christians. That we don't let the world pollute our lives, our thinking, our character, our principles. Just because it's popular. This is a battle. God's already won the victory, but he wants you to win. And in you winning, he wants you to show forth his glory. How does that happen? Psalm 92. I have three more scriptures and you're out of here. Of course, it's going to take me an hour. (laughs) Some of you are like, don't do that. Psalm 92, verse 12. It says, the uncompromisingly righteous... It doesn't just say righteous. That's why I like this translation. The uncompromising righteous. Because all the others compromise. You and I can't afford to compromise. Thorns grow up. We get hard. We become just casual Christians. We become convenient Christians. We become overcrowded Christians. Our lives are full of everything. You can't do everything, but you got to do the most important things or your life is going to suffer for it. And there's one that's most important overall, and that's God. 
The uncompromisingly righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. Be long-lived, stately, upright, useful, and what? Fruitful. Look at those characteristics. Long-lived. Live long on the earth and prosper while you do it. Stately, upright, useful, and fruitful. They shall grow like the cedar of Lebanon, majestic, stable, durable, and incorruptible. All of those characteristics of those two trees ought to be what we ought to embody. Well, well, how does that happen? Verse 13 and 14 tells us they are planted in the house of the Lord. They grow strong in the courtyards of, of our God. Even when they are old, they will continue to produce fruit like young, healthy trees. Whose word is this? God's word. If God said it, will he do it? Yeah, but we have to do our part. We have to make sure we're, we're guarding our heart. The Bible says, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of your life. Don't just take in the massive amount of information that's out there just because it's out there and inquiring minds want to know. Be selective. Be serious about not allowing the enemy to sow its thorns and seeds in your life. And if you aren't sure if it's true or not true, check the word. And let, of all things that come into your life, let the word, let the word of God dwell richly in you. Like every head bowed, every eye closed. God has for you to be victorious. Jesus is coming back for a glorious, victorious church without spot or wrinkle, which means there's got to be some adjustments. At least in my life, I know there are things that need to change. I need to adjust. I need to realign with God. I need to reject from the world because the world's getting louder and more emphatic and presenting itself as the authority and understands all things, but there's only one authority, and that's the one who made it all, and that's God. If you're here today and you have never trusted Christ, believe that he died on the cross for you, he was raised from the dead and, and seated at the right hand of the Father in victory, and he wants to share that victory with you. If you have never received Christ, repented of your sin, I want to pray with you today. And if that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want you to lift your hand and say, that's me. I can't do this anymore on my own, but I know, I believe, I trust, I want to believe that God can do this in my life. Then I believe every one of you here has Receive Christ as your Lord, but it's so important that he continues to be allowed to be Lord. Lord of all, Lord of our information, Lord of our, our, our beliefs, Lord of our perspectives, Lord of our priorities, Lord of our principles, and not allow the hurts and the hardness and the thorns of the world to, to invade our lives so that we would, we would be those people that would bring forth great fruit, 30, 60, and 100-fold 
and prove we're true disciples of Jesus. Bring glory and honor to the Father. Fulfill what we were chosen for and appointed and ordained to, to bear fruit that would last. And realize, every one of us here this morning, we need to inspect. We don't need to look out there and inspect everybody else's fruit. You need a little work here and a little work there. We need to inspect our lives and say, where, where have I allowed the thorns to be? Where's the hardness? And where, where am I getting 30 or 60? Lord, I, I am grateful for the 30 and 60, but I want a hundredfold. I want a hundredfold. I want to be a hundredfold Christian. I don't want to be a casual Christian. I don't want to be a convenient Christian. I don't want to be a crowded Christian. I want to be a covenant Christian. A committed covenant Christian. That no matter what, I am yours. A hundred percent. Father, I pray for every one of us, including myself, that, Father, we would, we would become aware like never before of the adjustments, changes, things we need to get rid of, and things we need to incorporate in our lives so that, Father, we would bear fruit for your glory to affirm that we're true disciples of Jesus, to draw people to your kingdom and to your abundant life. Father, we know the good work that you've begun in us, you are faithful to complete. But Father, we are, we're partners in that work. Show us our part. You won't ever push anything on us and you won't ever take anything from us. We have to look to receive and look to give and get rid of in our lives. And so, Father, help us. Help us to have wisdom from above. We thank you for the person and presence of Holy Spirit in our lives that convicts us of sin, that energizes us and empowers us and imparts to us what is necessary to live this victorious life. And as we let him have his way, he bears fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you've done what you're doing and what you will do. We will be the church without spot or wrinkle that you're coming back for. We thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Would you stand?